With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On this week's episode of The Strategast, we're analysing the start, middle and end of that explosive Cristiano Ronaldo interview with Pierce Morgan. We're also going to discuss how United are likely to respond while focusing our attention on the second narcissist in the room on Talk TV. Finally, on the day FIFA continues to play a blind eye to Qatar's human rights abuse, we'll give a mandatory mention to that tournament in the back of beyonds. That, your questions and much more on the Stratocast. Sean, from what I gathered from this Ronaldo interview with Pierce Morgan, we had two Trumpian-like tossers in a room with the focus being on the most self-centered footballer the world has ever seen. I think it was months upon months upon months in the making. I don't in any way, shape or form wish, want or have any will to describe that as an interview because it wasn't an interview. That was a premeditated conversation between two narcissists and Ronaldo supplied a script of questions that he wanted Piers to portray to him. And Piers happily sat there. Piers asked the questions that Ronaldo had asked him to ask. He didn't in any way, shape or form object to anything that Ronaldo was saying. He didn't push on anything. He quite simply sat there and lovingly gazed into the eyes of Ronaldo. And that was it. It wasn't an interview. This was anything but an interview. It, was a, it wasn't even a conversation. This was just one man telling another man how brilliant he was and the other fellow telling the same man how brilliant he was. Would you agree with me that it was an interview that only benefits Pierce Morgan, truly? No, no, not entirely. I mean, predominantly it will benefit Pierce Morgan. But the ultimate thing, like Ronaldo's not stupid. Ronaldo knows that what he wanted to get from us, the end goal was to get away from the club. And, And he's going to get that. You know, he's not going to play for Manchester United again. I don't know in what sort of a way it's going to come to fruition whether or not he's after breaching some terms of his contractual agreement whereby he can just be left out of the club without any sort of financial compensation. Hopefully that's the case because I'd actually read something that said that not only could he be released via, I suppose, a contract termination, but that he might actually owe the club some money as well based on Mm -hmm. some sort of uh, point within the contract that he has dismissed. But yeah, the vast majority is going to benefit Piers because ultimately Piers didn't have to do any work here. All he had to do was show up at Ronaldo's house and just ask him questions that he, that was set out for him. That was it. I think the two of them had a dialogue for the past year, definitely, and they were going back oh, yeah. and forth about what was going on. And Pierce was well set up, as well as being given a list of questions of how Ronaldo would perhaps like to be asked those questions. Knowing, I think, from the interview that Ronaldo was someone that cannot take any constructive constructive criticism whatsoever. Anyone that kind of criticizes the performance seems to be put in the black pages and is deemed you know an enemy or in some cases a rat like in the first installment of the interview this by the way was released in two installments in the first installment he insulted Rooney by calling him a rat 
there was also an unnecessary jibe about the former teammate's appearance, as well as Gary Neville's popularity. So what, why do you think he went there? You're, you're right, 100% right in saying why he did the interview was to get out of the club. But why did he go there? I suppose maybe it might be some bit condescending of me in saying this, because I do believe Ronaldo had a, a predetermined template of questions to be asked. But Piers is very, very shrewd. And Piers knows that maybe, well, not necessarily interviewing him. He might ask a question and then allow a little branch just to stem off of it because he maybe knew he was going to generate a reaction from Ronaldo with it. And even like when, when he referenced Rat, it was more so a situation where Piers is kind of like, oh, you know, like everyone loves you. But then you have these couple of people and they don't, why don't they love you? Do you know, why, why don't they love you? What, 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 what could they have possibly, what, why, why would they not want to worship you? And he's, you know, then it sort of pushed it back and Ronaldo kind of say, well, they're just like, you know, like the rest of the rats. And I think it's just more so getting him into his comfort zone and really and truly just pulling small little bit of nuggets. It's not interviewing. It's more so trying to overemphasize the question, I think. I think the criticism he, he gave back to Gary Neville, to be honest, fair game, because Gary Neville did go in on him. Whereas for, for Wayne Rooney, he really didn't. He was asked a question in an interview. I was very honest and respectful in saying that there's two players that I see as the greatest of all time, Lionel Messi and Ronaldo. And what he argued was like age catches up with everyone. He said, me as a player, it happened to me. I had to come to terms with it. It's happened to Ronaldo at a later stage and he's having a hard time facing reality. That's what's happening. But anyone that says it is deemed an enemy. It's, he, he lives in a, in a total different universe. He lives in a totally different universe, yeah. And like, e- even after the, I, I, I could have possibly even been before the first episode aired. It might have just been when he was putting snippets out there. Just people that I even know, not just Twitter know. There's people I know that sort of held a different opinion and almost like, well, look, let's just forget about what he said about this person and forget what he said about this person and just focus on the fact that we've got the most famous footballer on the planet criticizing the owners. And that ultimately, somehow, because he's come out and said this, it means that the Glazers are going to sell the club. But there, there was something that I, I, I really feel like a lot of these people sort of forgot. And mm-hmm. in that, people re- were referencing when Ronaldo was at the tournament and was it the Coke or the Pepsi or something in front of him and he didn't want it and he moved it away and that all of a sudden their, their, their share price plummeted because yeah. they... Like, let's just say for argument's sake, Keith, that has the same effect on Manchester United. Like, is that going to entice the Glazers to sell because all of a sudden they're not getting as much for the club as they would have got two months ago? It doesn't. No, no, absolutely. You're right. No, there was a lot of nonsense posted on social media after the Glazer segments came out because, for starters, if Ronaldo had signed when when he did, when he returned and came out and did an interview about the Glazers, he would have been seen as an absolute legend. It would have had a massive impact, right? That would have been huge coming out. And and I, I've said it on this podcast for years that a lot of people haven't come out, haven't spoken out the way they should have. And it took Gary Neville a while. He did. Um, Solskjaer did when he left the club. Um, you know, some people do when they leave the club. Eric Cantona eventually did too. But people, it's not too common. And it would have been a big statement, but this comes at a time that he's throwing his toys out of the pram and it's a populist move. 
it's um he knows it's something that the fans are all going to agree with when he talks about it. and also he's not telling us anything we don't know it's it's not going to make any difference the only difference i think it'll make is um i'm i i'm 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 for a belief that the glazers are tr- thinking about selling manchester united and i think this does have a bit of a bit of a hit on them in terms of potential investors and looking at like this is the biggest athlete in the world coming out slamming this brand but really the knock-on effect isn't that big that's just chit chat that's just business talk I don't think it's going to have that massive kind of effect Sean I was outside that stadium I was outside the ground in 2005 protesting before they had even taken over okay we've been protesting for nearly 20 years and what people seem to forget during all of this we as a fan base got Manchester United and Liverpool called off so it's not like Ronaldo has come out and provided some sort of groundbreaking analysis on the football club. No. You know, Ronaldo coming out and saying it's the same jacuzzi and it's the same people working in the, in the kitchen. I mean, fantastic. Look, that's great. Bring it to the public. And because more people talking about them is not a bad thing. And it's not a bad thing that Ronaldo is talking about them. This is one thing that a lot of people sort of lost in translation when I'm talking to them on Twitter. I'm all for Ronaldo talking about them, you know, because you want as much negativity around them as you possibly can. But it's the fact that, how long was it in total? Something like maybe an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes? 90 minutes. 90 minutes, okay. So he spoke about the Glazers for about five or six minutes. And ultimately, he referenced the owners. He referenced the Glazers, and he referenced the owners a couple of times, and then really and truly just paid homage to how the facilities inside the stadium have been the same since when he left. Now, as you said, he knows that this is a, is a massive, massive... It is the talking point for the fans. It is the most touching point for the fans. And if you obviously look at the way the interview was laid out, we're going to start out with the most sensitive topic for the fans to try to get them on board. We're then going to move from that topic to the tragedy that he went. And I would never begrudge anybody that tragedy. Also, even when it comes down to what that sort of mute point about his daughter and whether or not his daughter was ill. I mean... Who who are you and I to say that he's lying? You know, none of us can say he's lying because I'd sooner be wrong. I think he's lying. You do think he's lying? No, no, no. I think he's lying about his accusation towards the club. As in that they didn't... That they, they didn't, didn't believe him. Yeah. I oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Because, I think they... um, because look, throwing the, the cards out here, you know, as someone working with news on United, speak to people at the club, and I asked at that time why he wasn't present at the... A, tr- a pre-season train because I wasn't buying the what they were given as a line and I was told that it was a private issue and that I would appreciate why they couldn't reveal when it does come out and I think that pretty much sums up now that we know that it was a sensitive topic and that the club couldn't really reveal why because it wasn't their news and Ronaldo wasn't re- revealing himself um, to the public so like it I don't think the club denied him. And I think those accusations could be in breach of his contract, especially yeah. coming out and slating his, his employees and, and saying that he doesn't have any respect for the manager. You know, Sean, for me, that was the worst part of this interview was when he said he had no respect for Eric Ten Hag because that really burnt all bridges. There was no way back after that. No, no, but there's so many things that he said and there's so many things that people forgot. Like, even if you take Ralph Ranjik, I know there's quite a lot of people in the fan base and people that I respect within the fan base that 
don't have any time for Raniak, particularly after his time at the club. And, and fair enough, say what you will about the man coming into the role. It's quite evident that from a very early stage, Ronaldo didn't like Raniak. So as a result, Ronaldo did not apply himself in the same way. He just didn't because he, he, he openly said that this guy didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and like this is when we're trying to, to gain some traction as a football club. So you're even going back to when Rannick is there. Now he's in a position where he's got one of the hottest prospects in, in terms of European management and just won't show him respect and ultimately comes out and shows him the, the ultimate lack of respect by what he's done in an interview because he won't give him game time. You know, it's just, it's petulance of the highest order, Dale. It's petulance and, and it's just, it's a grown man refusing to accept the fact that he's declining as every single one of us will. And he's, he's just, he's, he's really, really handled it in the worst possible way. He has, and you know what? I, I, I'm not surprised, but I'm disappointed by it because this is a player who, who I've idolised growing up as, as, a, as a teenager and seen him come through as a young player. Um, you know, I think most kids my age playing football, kind of when they were playing, they would have tried to copy his tricks and copy his free kicks and, and, and this and that. And he, he was everything. He bent on to win five Ballon d'Ors. We've seen him win Champions Leagues and League titles for Manchester United. And he had, had an opportunity to come back really build on his legacy as a player that was, you know, going through the final chapters. And all he had to do to, to achieve that was to show a bit of professionalism and to show that he, he was going to change. But that word you said, petulance, that stuck with him throughout his career. As a youngster that arrived at the club to a veteran that's come out to leave it, it's petulance. And it, it's sad. It's sad because there's, there's people, and I, and I mentioned this to you last week, your son, for instance, his age group have a very, very different view now on one of the greatest players of all time because of the way he's come back to Manchester United, not just the way he's played this season, because he was good last season, well, scored loads of goals last season, but, but this season fell off a cliff, behaved terribly. The perception is, is stained. It is. It's even funnier when he From a generation, it. massively. Yeah, yeah, and, and like even when you sort of consider this generation of, of my son's ilk and then you look at the football club and you look at the 17, 18, 19-year-old footballers that are coming through, Ronaldo's come out and said he doesn't like to give advice, that he likes to lead by example. And then this, this, this is how he leads by example, not only to the young players that are coming through in the football club, but to my son's generation that are looking at this fellow from the offset and thinking, is, is this how they should be acting? You know, and it's, it's, it's nonsensical. I mean... I think it's even far beyond burning bridges. I think it is the most outlandish, outrageous behavior from a footballer who is so up his own arse. It's unlike anything I've ever seen, witnessed or thought possible. Sean, do you think the way he's behaved will put off some clubs? Because we've seen from the summer, although Ronaldo come out in the interview and said that there was interest in several clubs, there wasn't. There was not any significant interest because Manchester United would have accepted an offer and they didn't get one. Um, and he stayed at the club. He didn't stay because he wanted to. But do you think this will put off potential clubs? Because we already know there's not many in the market for a 37-year-old petulant man-child. I think it'll put off the vast majority of clubs. But I think then there's other clubs where he can still make a lot of money and, and play. I think Todd Bowley is crazy enough to bring him into Chelsea. He'll look at the situation now where he's got Graham Potter and he's thinking this is a process that we have to follow. Um, but ultimately, Chelsea have been on a bit of bad form recently. So he'll look in the January transfer window and think, 
what can I do to maybe shore this side up for the remainder of the Premier League campaign? And, and, and something like that could happen. Also, I know that there's prospective talks about loan moves to the likes of Sporting Lisbon and whatnot. And I think any of the Portuguese sides would probably welcome him. Maybe not Benfica, obviously, with the history he has with Lisbon. But I think if, if Lisbon had an opportunity to get him in, they would probably do everything in their, in, their, in their power to get him in. There's probably maybe a couple of Italian sides that might take him on board as well, based on how slow the tempo is in that league and that he could probably still bring some sort of a game. But I think the majority of proper clubs, maybe Paris Saint-Germain might be crazy enough. They might just sort of say to get Messi and Ronaldo in the same dressing room. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't think he's done himself a lot of favors with with proper football clubs. I want to save it to the final point because what United should do next with with Ronaldo, but with the the potential clubs, it, you have to look at a lot of the managers out there right now and the top managers in the Champions League where he wants to play, and I don't see them scrapping up their tactical books for him especially seen after what's happened in Manchester United, not only on the pitch, but like as we're saying, this interview will have a bit of an everlasting effect, I think, for the rest of his career. There's obviously, there's been invites to the A-League in Australia, which um, which would be interesting, you know, going from, from goat to kangaroo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um quite quite a downfall, but but yeah, look on Ronaldo. He also said that it was disrespectful of Ten Hag not to bring him on against City, a game that you know United had already lost at the time. But he also snubbed the call to come on in the game against Spurs that we were winning at the end. Now, looking at the two situations which he compared in the interview to say that they showed disrespect. I think he has this arseways. I think he has his whole argument arseways because Ronaldo's got it totally wrong. Ten Hag was bringing him on in a game that we were winning to give him an opportunity to come on and add to his goal tally to get an assist maybe or to be, to be the, the show because when he scores, he is the show. He didn't come on against City because we were getting annihilated. Hmm. Mm. And, 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 and he's shown respect. No, is is he showing respect or not? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, to, to to look at Ten Hag and all of this, I think the easiest way of saying it is, I I genuinely do not think Ten Hag has done anything wrong with Ronaldo. Anything, like from start to finish, I think, like to answer your question, I mean, it sounds perfectly plausible. Look, we're winning this game. The, the opposition are flattened their arse. You've got an opportunity. You can go on, boost your confidence. You can get some sort of a goal contribution. You can do your bullshit. And, um, and then you can go away happy and all the cameras can look at you. Whereas against City, what's the point? What's the point in bringing you on and when we're already being humiliated to, to add further humiliation to it? You know, it's one of those things where that situation with City, he's going to be half right and half wrong with whatever he does, Ten Hag. You know, because if he leaves him on the bench, this is what happens. If he brings him on, it's a case of, oh, yeah, why didn't you start him? You would have had more of an opportunity if he was starting from the outset, you know? I think the problem is in the past, especially yeah, in the past maybe two months, Ten Hag has had to play Ronaldo more times than what he he would have liked. Um, with Martial not being able to lead the line and sometimes he played Rashford in different roles. And Ronaldo has had a chance. Ronaldo has just struggled for form and hasn't been able to score goals and he hasn't been able to deal with that pressure. Now, as someone that comes out in this interview is being supremely confident in that 
I think this is someone that's cracking. I think it really is someone that's cracking. I, I, I think it's it's it'll be a sensitive time for him, and it's best for all parties that he does move move on. It's best for Manchester United that they move on. Um, and moving on ourselves to, to the next point, what should United do with Ronaldo next? Personally, Sean, I think they need to do this ASAP. It's not good for the manager to have someone sitting around that literally said in an interview with Pierce Morgan, I have no respect for that man. You know, you have to get him out ASAP. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not only do I not see him playing again for the club, I see somebody coming in in, in 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 place of him to clear out any belongings that he has inside the club. I don't see him coming back to the club, let alone playing for the club. It, it's, it's, I think if he comes back, Ten Hag will probably kill him. So it's probably best he doesn't come back. But the... the there, there's no way he's he's finished, and and this is all totally premeditated. I obviously you saw from the very very tiny statements that the club have released that they've already initiated kind of whatever it is they're doing. That means they have a legal team looking at the best way to be able to alleviate this, and they will. There's going to be every Tom, Dick, and Harry because despite how bad he has made himself look in the eyes of so many fans, the club are obviously been looked at in a negative way as well. So it's damage limitations for them to be able to get over this and knowing the owners as we do at this stage it wouldn't at all surprise me if all right how can we swing ourselves out of this let's get rid of him and let's bring something new and shiny into the club that will stop them maybe talking about that and instead talk about this yeah they're always thinking about that aren't they because yeah um well the the only problem is are they going to think about that because manchester united like i said I believe, is for sale at the right price. I think Manchester United is for sale at the right price. The Glazers think is right. And whether they get that money or not is, is a different story altogether. But it's not like it was a few years ago, maybe two years ago or a year ago, when these reports came out that the club would quickly dismiss them. No, they never dismissed them this time. You saw it with uh, team viewers today. Team viewer, there are they. Is that they're reviewing that reviewing their deal, or is that they're close to agreeing it? They're reviewing the deal based on the amount of negativity and feedback that they've got from suppliers and customers, and that they're actually reviewing actually staying with the club at all. Like, yeah, you see, um, that doesn't surprise me. I think I didn't think Richard Arnold touched on that when he spoke to the fans that it it was negatively affecting the club what the fans were doing. He he asked them to to please stop. Um, <laughs> They're not going to stop, Richard. Um, no. I'm afraid they're not going to stop. But, but yeah. So, so you agree with me that United need to move Ronaldo on ASAP. Yeah. Um, are you going gung ho and saying sack him as well, or do you just want this done and brushed under the carpet, pretty much? I think that's oh. the. This, I think that's what the club want. Oh, and I'd, I'd like after everything he's done, I I would like it to be some bit of humiliation for him, to be honest. I'd like him to be sacked. Yeah, 100%. As I said, as I've said many, many times, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for the memories that he has given me as a fan because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fickle like that. I'll, I'll stay level the whole time. He's been a servant. He's given us some great moments. He's provided a, a campaign that inevitably ended up with him winning a Ballon d'Or. And that should never be forgotten. But like I've said all the time, I don't class Ronaldo as a Manchester United legend. And I've always said this, Ronaldo is a Real Madrid legend. That's the way I look. He's a Real Madrid legend that played for Manchester United. And I think now, more so than ever, he doesn't want to come back. 
the vast majority of the fan base don't want him to come back, and I'd be dumbfounded if the owners wanted him to come back. Do you think he'll try to get back to Real Madrid? Well, I saw reports with that today. Because Carlo Ancelotti and him were, were pretty close, but I, I just think with, with what happened previously at Madrid and what's happening now at Madrid, it's a new era, and I know he's had his injury and have to work up and he won't be there. But Karim Benzema is the main man. Well, Benzema is not only the main man, he's the main man in world football, isn't he? So it's, I mean, I, I, I can't see it. I can't see it. I mean, they'll, people will put A and B together and they'll get 25. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the logic of the internet, you know? I, I, I'd be very, very surprised if, if, because he's going to leave, but if it's a case of where he goes, I, I can't see him going outside of Europe just yet because it'll be too much for his ego. Messi hasn't left Europe, so Ronaldo can't Not switching Europe. goats for kangaroos yet, no? Not switching goats for kangaroos just yet. I reckon if he had to go over and play in Turkey, as long as he got Champions League football, he'd stay. Turkey you know, might not be a bad show. Turkey might not be a bad show. So, yeah, and, and there's good money there too, like, you know, so they could look at his wages. Oh, speaking of money, more corruption in football. Yeah. We have um, a football festival upon us in, in Qatar. And the do World we? Cup started today. Yeah, we do. So we're not going to focus too much on this on the podcast. We're going to keep it united as much as we can, especially throughout the tournament, because a lot of people would be, I suppose keeping a bit of a blind eye to this tournament with all the human rights abuse and issues surrounding Qatar. But the, the start of the tournament today started like just so fittingly. You had Qatar against Ecuador. Ecuador scoring in the early stages. And it was a perfect goal. Perfect goal. There was no reason to rule it out, but it was ruled out. And there was no then no explanation for the broadcasters to explain why the goal was ruled out. So we didn't know if it was offside. We didn't know if it was for a foul. And no one could make out, but it was just, I think, more corruption trying to get the hosts the upper hand. But it was the first time ever as well, Sean, that the host nation didn't win the first game with Ecuador winning 2 now. I thought the game was on an Anfield. It was the only thing I could work out as to why that fair decision happened. It, was, <laughs> it, it has to be Anfield. They have to be tricking us. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, I mean, what can you say about it? It's It's... It's a shambolic tournament. It's something I will pay little to no interest in. And do you know what I'm? You know what I'm really not enjoying because I w- I will sit down and I'll watch the games. What I'm not enjoying, and I know they have to. We have, they all have to talk about the issues, but there's certain pundits out there that are just basically bound to not. I'm not saying political correctness, but bound to the populist view. And I'm talking on on, on Irish television about Richie Sadler. He really, you know, tries to make a point and has the arm gestures going and is trying to be trendy and, and this and that. And I'm just saying, Richie, come on. Off your off your saddle, you um you're not gonna make that much of a difference on on, 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 on RT sport. Sure, look, Richie has to take over the mantle from Eamon Dunfield, isn't he? So Yeah. He just I thought I to... thought Liam Brady did a good job at that today. Oh, look. The, the, I don't know how there's so many of them not just put out the pasture at this stage. With the very best respect for what they've done in their career, it's um, it's it's actually getting painful listening to them. For our listeners that don't know what we're talking about with Irish punditry, um, you'll see clips online, especially throughout the years. Some pundits that even work with Sky used to do coverage on Irish TV for Champions League, like Graham Souness and Liam Dunphy and 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 this and that. But they kind of had this, had more leeway on Irish TV to speak their mind. 
And it was made for fascinating watching at times with Rouse and Studios and that. But it's just, it's great viewing. It's sometimes even better than the, the spectacle itself. But Sean, I want to say thanks for joining me on, on, on the podcast. We um we waited for this one because there was so many fucking installments throughout the week with, with Talk mm. TV and, and bigging this interview to, for more clickbait and, and whatnot. Do you know, I read something crazy earlier on that's like, slightly off topic it's sort of going back to my talk about Ronaldo you know Harry Maguire has got more World Cup knockout stage goals than Ronaldo does Adam, what's, what's the count what's the tally <laughs> I don't have the tally I just um, I, I read it really really briefly before we came on here and, and from a reliable source we can, we, we can believe it I don't believe it was uh, I don't believe it was it was lies yeah yeah. so get your head around that one if you can did you get it from Elon Musk's Twitter account <laughs> <laughs> brilliant shot so look we'll be back again with another podcast next week we'll keep these regular and thanks so much to everyone that keeps listening to these shows um, we'll make sure to answer your questions next week round and to get them in just send us a tweet on Twitter at Stray News and Sean how can people follow you on Twitter at Sean Connolly 85 brilliant right enjoy the games the World Cup and we'll speak to you soon Sports Social Podcast Network